0: ghoulish day to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowler's podcast part of your phantomly amazing day. Those cool tunes, of course, are of courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey. And I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. I want to talk about a cool little jail that's nestled up in the Colorado mountains in the old mining town that is Cripple Creek. I love Cripple Creek. It is such a neat place. In fact, when it comes to mining, Cripple Creek was the largest of the gold rush. And that's no easy feat, obviously. Even bigger than Alaska and California combined. They are still bringing in millions from their functioning mine. Now, in 1896, the town, it's hit hard with two unforgiving and devastating fires. April 25th, the first fire occurs, and it damn well near destroys half of the town. While the town is still suffering from such a loss, they are shocked when one, two, three, four days later, another fire occurs. Well, you know what? In a few months, they somewhat recover And they rebuilt the town just within a few months. I mean, to me, that's quite amazing. They all came together and helped out. And it was a beautiful thing. These people, you know, were there to comfort each other. They all dealt with this twice. So you go there today and you feel like you're back in time. At least I do. You can visit the mine, a brothel, the old jail, haunted restaurants and casinos and what have you. When you... Walk through town. There's a good chance you may run into a donkey or two. Hee! Huh? (laughs) Hee! I know. Crappy donkey impression. But I used to have two donkeys as a kid, and man, hee! Huh? Was sometimes my alarm clock. (laughs) That's right. This sweet town has donkeys that free roam the town. They aren't just any donkey. These are the descendants of the mining mules from the 1800s. Cripple Creek, as they should be, is very proud of their babies. Almost any store you go to, you can buy donkey cookies or crackers to feed them. Donations go to the donkeys, which I love. They even have vets that check up on them. The first time I went there, I I saw two donkeys. And one was right by the old jail that's now converted into a museum. And that's what this episode will eventually be about. But bear with me as I share my sweet donkey stories. I saw an old donkey near the jail. He looked old and frail and just he was alone. And I'm in the jail and I tell this gal and I say, hey, there's a donkey out there. And she's like, oh, take it across the street, you know, so it's safe. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, so there's a little park area across the way. And so I go out with the cookie in hand and slowly he starts following me across the road and I have somebody there and they're stopping the the traffic. And um, we get to the other side and, you know, he's pretty content with his cookie. (laughs) Now, the last time I went to Cripple Creek, my boyfriend and I, we take our great, my great aunt there so she could go to the casino, something that she loved very much. And she passed away recently this year. And I believe it was the Lizzie Borden episode that I dedicated to her. But anyways, it was the last time she went. And so I'm glad I got to do that for her. But, you know, while she was at the casinos, we spent our time besides going to the jail, which I always do do when I'm out there. We searched for those donkeys. Far and wide. We could not find them anywhere. We kept searching. We were going down this street and this street and this little neighborhood and this street and everywhere. Couldn't find them. Well, finally, we hit paved dirt. Poop. <laughs> we finally hit the motherload A group of them. I'd say it was about eight, possibly ten. They're such neat creatures, and I love that they come from the mining mules. Just so much history there. So my my great aunt, when she was done doing her thing at the casino, we took her and she got to see the donkeys too. Something I don't know if she's seen before out there. So that was a pretty fun, rewarding trip, to say the least. And I just want to mention real quick that we saw the first donkey... He was in the middle of the road, and thankfully it's not like 24-7 traffic. And we see this big, burly dude on a Harley, and he's feeding the donkey. He has the Harley off, and he's feeding the donkey. And then we walk up, and we're chatting with him and petting the donkey, and it's time for him to leave. And so he actually walks the Harley away Goes down the hill and then starts it so not to scare the donkey. I mean, people really just do admire the donkeys out there. And they'll wait while they're walking past the street and patiently. And so it's kind of neat. But I thought that was so cute that, you know, big burly dude and (laughs) not wanting to scare the furry creature. So I don't know. I just thought I had to mention that sweet story for sure. Outlaws and Lawmen Jail Museum. It's a neat place that is featured in my first book, Paranormal Prowlers, I'm Always With You. The Teller County Jail opened its doors to the wild, rowdy town of Cripple Creek in 1901. They closed down not too terribly long ago, actually, just in 1992. And it's just a stone's throw away from the courthouse. This gorgeous brick building stands tall in the corner. Because it was a county jail, they housed men, women, and juvies. They covered not only Cripple Creek, but also Divide, a place that I have family who lives there. I just went there a couple of days ago and went on a horseback ride with my cousin. So Divide, Victor, Florence, and Woodland Park. So as you can imagine, they were super busy, from larceny to murder and everything in between, people constantly found their home being the gel due to their actions. Now, during the day, you can come and you can check out this gel. It's a few bucks to get in. Last time I went, I think it was like three or four dollars. That's not bad, and it's a really, really neat place. I enjoy going as a guest, not as a resident. (laughs) Thank you guys, I'm here all day. And at least before COVID times, you were able to wear inmate garb. They had a selection of either your typical white with black striped jumpsuit or an orange jumpsuit. Don't know if it's still like that or not, but there's one way to find out. And if you run into a pretty blonde, that's possibly my friend Michelle. And if you're interested in investigating here, after hours she's the gal to go to what's neat is if you go after hours you have full access to the basement at least before covid times something that you don't even see or i had been there in the past and i didn't even know it existed unless you investigate after hours and i'd love to go back sometime this summer or fall seems like every summer for the past few summers i i tell michelle hey I want to go check it out again. Can I go to investigate? And she's like, yeah, sure. Let's plan it. And then life happens. And I just like, am unable to. So hopefully this year for sure. If not next year, I'm making it my goal. No bullshit. in Tessa, get your ass up there. And you do that. You investigate this place again, because it definitely does not disappoint and sorry, bear with me. I feel like I'm like kind of like losing my voice. I don't know. Maybe I, I did my monster voice a ton for my cousin's kids when I was in Divide. So who knows? That might be the culprit. My monster voice. I'll never learn. I swear. Now, the Teller County Jail has a wooden staircase. And up those stairs is where the women and the juveniles were held. The rest was all for the men. The men slept six to a cell. Part of the facility has 14 cells, 10 on the lower floor, four on top with catwalk. And this includes good old solitaire. Now solitaire is a place that you want to check out. If you're interested in getting results, people have experienced cold spots, phantomly footsteps, catching EVPs, and a ton more. Very active place. I recommend it. You'll hear more about solitaire later on. Now, the first time I went to this jail, I went with my former, being the main word, best friend. And we were the only guests there for a while. So we walk into one of the cells in the white and black strip garb and sit down. Recorder in hand, I ask, is there any inmates around us? My recorder captures a man whispering, that's one of the times that I actually heard it with my own ears, what I call EVP ear. It sounds just like an EVP, but it's whispered right in my ear, usually always by a man, and I'm the only one who hears it. And I know I've mentioned this before, so I'm jumping right along. So I ask, whose jail cell was this? Immediately, a man answers me on the recorder Saying Jeremy. I did not hear that one till later on. But it's really cool when you ask questions and you get direct answers. It's not like you're saying, what's your name? And you're getting an answer yellow. It's no, what's your name? Okay, it's Jeremy. So we head towards a different cell. And my recorder captures two voices. One whispering, I can't. And the other replies, tell her. Some people think that spirits can't communicate with one another. I call horseshit on that majorly. This is not the only time that I've gotten these types of results. And it's not just like naysayers or like, you know, the biggest of debunkers or the hard headed skeptics, which I love you. If you're listening, keep listening. <laughs> But seriously, sometimes they're paranormal investigators who say, oh, this is impossible. They can't do Come on. You know, where's your open mind? Of course they can. Me and you were talking to each other, right? Like just because they're dead and they could communicate with us, but they can't communicate with each other. <push> Please. Something is pretty stinky. So anyways, remember, I'm a debunker. If I heard talking in the distance, which we did a lot that day. I would say it. And these voices were so close. Not in the distance, but another, you know, it's like they were right there. And so another EVP I get is from a man excitedly saying, Get out. One thing that happened that was pretty neat is that my arm is grabbed. No one's near me. I say hey to get my former friend's attention. She's in La La Land. I'm like, hey. So and so, you know, I call her a few times and finally she looks at me and I tell her what happened. And as this is happening, my recorder captures an EVP of a man saying, got her. I thought that was kind of cool. You know, I found I that to be very interesting. Here I am. I'm grabbed by unseen forces. I could feel the hand wrapping about my arm and get validation the EVP of a man saying, got her. thought that was very, very cool. I'd like to go back at some point and get more answers. You know, I felt the touch, but I didn't hear the EVP got her until later on. And that's where I guess it comes in where those type of recorders, which are hundreds and hundreds of dollars, something Tessa can certainly not afford. But, you know, if you're you're having an EVP session, say like you do a five minute EVP session with a lot of, you know, space in between of each question, but it only records things. It doesn't record dead air. So a five minute recording could turn into like a minute or something. So something you could easily listen to and it's going to catch every single EVP, every single thing. So I don't know, maybe that might be something that I might save up for. And eventually in the few years you might hear me talking about it. (laughs) Now, Many more EVPs were caught that day like the name Patsy. Don't tell her. Hold and hell. Another neat EVP I asked, what's your name? And I get a response on my recorder of a man saying, Now, to me this is important. Usually when I ask this question I get a first name or a last name on rare occasions I'll get a full name and this is one of those rare times where I get the full name Ed Burr. And so I actually I and it sounded like he said Burr. But I asked my friend Michelle, who's like the heritage director gal, she's the gal to, you know, that knows her stuff, and I asked her like did you guys have an inmate back in the day named Ed Burr, Edward Burr, whatever. She said no, but, and if I remember correctly, I think she said it was the the sheriff or something uh, who was named Ed Bell or Edward Bell or something. Now, in my notes, it says Ed Burr. Did he say Ed Bell? I don't know. I'd have to go back, as that was several years ago, and find that recording and listen. It's possible, but, you know. I don't know, but it's still, you get, you ask a question and you get a full name. I thought that was pretty fantastic. So at one point, my Mel, one of my EMF meters, spikes to 6.5 and we feel a cold spot. Well, in the area upstairs where the women were held, I asked what they did time for. And I got three EVPs of a woman saying money. She said this three times, money, money, money. Give me now, Minnie did do time for several things, and that, in- that includes larceny. So that mini investigation was conducted back in 2016. The following year, I would go with my cousin and his then-girlfriend, now-wife, where the first time was during operational hours. This next time, our trip in 2017... We had the place to ourselves. And once again, it did not disappoint. So I had set it up with Michelle to investigate that night. It was a cold, wintry night. It was January. If I remember correctly, I think it was actually on my dad's birthday. (laughs) So that cold Colorado mountain chill, it was definitely in the air. (laughs) Michelle was supposed to join in on the investigation, but unfortunately she was not feeling really good at all. And bless her heart, even though she felt miserable, she still drove to Cripple Creek, as she does not live in the town itself. At least she didn't at that time. And she lets us in the jail. And she just kind of hung out in the gift shop patiently while we conducted our investigation. So before she leaves us to it, she takes us around, showing us little areas of interest when it comes to the paranormal and tells us little tiny bits of history and what have you. And as we make our way up the stairs, leading us to the women and juvies, my recorder captures an EVP of a man saying, get out. Now, remember, the year earlier, I had got an EVP of a man saying the same exact thing. Get out. After she shows us the gel, she leads us to a door where these large, awkward stairs lead us down to what looks like a dungeon, but it's a basement and a basement that I didn't even know existed. It was a full on basement the entire length of the gel. And again, you don't see this or have access to this during open hours the next thing that happens is kind of one of my favorite parts of this investigation. And it's when Michelle's with us. So Michelle looks at the three of us and she asks the simple question, are any of you guys sensitive? And I raise my hand and I tell her I am. And she kind of smiles and she points to a doorway that looks like the entrance to an old dungeon. Go on, go in there. She smiles. Michelle My cousin and his wife, they stay out as I walk in. The air seems thicker, like an unseen barrier is nearby. I close my eyes and pay attention to my body, my senses. And as I close my eyes, I see death. I kid you not. Suddenly, I'm surrounded by bodies. I open my eyes and I start to look around. Of course, I have my digital recorder in my hand. It's like an extra limb. What can I say? It's always there. My recorder captures a voice saying what sounds like either hear Bridges or maybe hear bridges." I'm not completely sure which one. Sometimes it's hard to tell exactly what is being said to you. You know, you see it on, like, paranormal shows, like, and I I hate to throw their name out there, but when I used to watch them, Ghost Adventures, sometimes they could throw an EVP out there, and they're saying, oh, they're saying this, and it doesn't sound like that to me. Like, sometimes it did, sometimes it certainly did not. And so, for me, I don't like to guess, like, You know, it's okay. Well, maybe it was this or this, but I don't know for sure. All I know is is that this voice, and I was the only one in there, and this voice says something. Then another voice says, Hey, help her. Which makes me think that maybe it was Bridget. But again, just not 100% sure. And I don't hear either of these at the time. My back is to the others. And... It's like every time I close my eyes, they were there. The dead people, the bodies. And I turn around to face them. And I'm trying to like shake the image of the deaths that are like being shown to me, you know, being displayed. Like, look, look at us, you know, look at this. And so I ask Michelle, what the hell is going on in here? And she smiles and she replies, what do you sense? And I ask her, Were there like bodies in this room? Was it some sort of mortuary or something or an ice house? And she nods. Okay, confirmation. That's good. I like confirmation. So when I was in there, I felt dread. And not like terror, not from seeing the bodies, but something else was clearly going on in here. But what? I don't know. I see another image and it's just blood. I see blood. And I ask her, did something happen down here? Was there like a murder? Did, some, did, did somebody get killed down here? And she admits to me that, you know, we're not too sure on that. We believe so. We plan to investigate more and try to find answers and what have you. Another thing that she told me was that something separated me from all the other sensitives that she had, you know, shown this area to. My curiosity's piqued, and I ask her, what is that? You didn't cry. All the others cried. Once I was done telling her what I felt, she explains a little bit more to us. She says, this is called the ice room. Back in the day, they were refrigerated with big blocks of ice. They would load coal through the chute, right into the building, and same thing with the ice, just right down that chute, But you were right, Tessa, during the winter, they would store the bodies in several buildings throughout the city, including the gel, because you just simply could not dig the graves in the wintertime. Even in the summertime, it's more, it's mostly granite. So then she starts talking about a woman that they believe to haunt this area. Her name is Emmy. As she is talking about Emmy, my recorder captures an EVP of a woman whispering, help her. She also shares with us that they have seen full-bodied apparitions down there in the basement in the past. They've also seen shadowy figures and things dashing about. She said that her boyfriend, who was a skeptic at the time, came one day, and by the end of the day, he was not only a believer, but he also was a part of their paranormal team. He was touched, his shirt was tugged on, and other things happened that he could just simply not debunk. And I love stories like that. I I really do. I'm still waiting for my boyfriend to become a believer. (laughs) Maybe someday, who knows. Once done walking with us, Michelle walks into the gift shop and she leaves us to conduct our investigation. Well, first we go downstairs into the basement where my cousin sets up his motion sensor camera. And we set an extra recorder down there and then we head on upstairs and and head to where the men were held including solitaire so my recorder captures this eerie evp of a man whispering kill kill and at one point my cousin's wife whispers something the debunker that i am of course i i debunk this you know saying whisper In my recorder, and my recorder, after I say that, captures a voice saying, Bad girl! Bad girl, indeed. So we walk over to the two toilets that are shared by all the inmates. And I kind of kiddingly ask, How did you guys like having to share these toilets? And we get an EVP of a man saying, Nasty. I, yeah, nasty. I, you know, I think that'd be a good description, having to share. Two toilets with a bunch of dudes. So we decide to pick one of the cells upstairs and we sit for a short EVP session. Then a spirit box session. So we choose the last cell. We sit down. We get situated. And in a loud voice I say, okay jailers, lockdown starts right now. My recorder catches a creepy EVP of a man saying, don't kill them. And at one point during our EVP session in the cell, we let it be known to the spirits that we will now remain quiet if they want to say anything at all. Now, during this time, a man speaks. It's muffled. He sounds angry. And it sounds like it's coming from the cell below us. No one else was there. And the only male that was in the building, literally in the building, was my cousin. And I just need to say that during this investigation, we did hear street chatter, cars driving by, dogs barking, passerby talking. This was definitely coming from within the building, close proximity to where we were, but going unheard by our ears. So while we remain silent, disembodied footsteps are heard. We all stare at each other to confirm, yes, every single one of us heard it. The footsteps are coming up the stairs and the catwalk and heading right towards us, getting closer. And later on, I did ask Michelle, did you leave the gift shop at any time? And she said no. And I knew she didn't because... She's not just some random person letting us in and play around in there and investigate. She's a fellow paranormal investigator herself. She knows just how important that kind of thing is. And if she did do that, she would have announced herself. So it certainly wasn't her. And as again, like I mentioned, the footsteps were getting closer to us almost where like it stopped right where we were. Nothing was there. It wasn't like pitch black. It was kind of dark in there, but we still had it where we're like, okay, we could see stuff. So no there there is definitely something there, and Michelle said that that has happened a lot where people are successful in catching footsteps coming over where they are I'll go walking up, you know boom, 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 walking up the stairs and then on the catwalk I mean it's just it's phenomenal so Michelle, she's still in the gift shop. we're locked in the jail. no one is in there but us. is it an inmate walking towards us? Is it a guard? The warden? This is followed by two loud knocks. I counted 13 steps total. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Now, after a while, we head downstairs to the bottom cells. While they head to the front of the room, I walk towards the very back. I feel as if I'm being drawn to a certain cell. And like upstairs, it's the last cell. So I'm by myself for a few minutes and I sit there and I say, just sitting here, doing my time, thinking about the crimes I committed. And I get an EVP of a man saying what sounds like, get the funds. Get the funds. Seconds later, the same voice says, you're like me. (laughs) I don't think so, sugar. Now, shortly after, I hear a rattle sound very close to my ears, as if in the same cell as me. I call the others to see if it was them or if they heard it, and they answer me, and their voices are somewhat distant. They're still on the opposite side from where I am, not even near the cells. So, And they didn't hear it either, so definitely wasn't them. While in this same cell alone, I saw something dash from my left to the right, And we head to the basement. We all have equipment in our hands. My cousin's wife, who isn't too familiar with the equipment, as she hadn't investigated the paranormal much, she asks us if, on the EMF meter, if 81.8 is normal. And, again, this is Colorado in early January, up in the mountains. It's more than cold. And so I just... I knew she wasn't talking about the temperature. No way in hell is it 81 degrees in there. And so she's holding the mail and we ask her if she's talking about the temp, which we knew she wasn't. And she replies, no, that it's spiked up to 81.8. And I ask her, what does the temperature read? And she says 472 degrees. Like, what? And I'm like, maybe she's reading it wrong. I mean, it's easy to read that. And she's a smart gal, but... I don't know. So I look at it and yeah, it says 472 degrees, 81.8 that it spiked up to. I turn it off, turn it back on. It's still going wacky. I look around me. We're not next to anything that can trigger such a weird result. So I walk around all over and it just doesn't want to get any better. I don't know what triggered it, but it never did this before. And with the exception of later on that same night, it hasn't done it since. But just to say later that night, we're staying in town at the haunted hotel that is Hotel St. Nicholas. Fantastic place. I mean, if you like to stay in haunted hotels, go there. It is absolutely amazing. We actually had the place to ourselves. So if you want it to yourselves, go in winter. There's a good chance that'll happen, but Hotel St. Nicholas, which will be a future episode all in itself as we had a bunch of things happen, including a rock being thrown at us. So that's the only other time that it acted up was in Cripple Creek, not too far from the jail at the haunted hotel. Haunted jail, haunted hotel. Love it. So while down in the basement, we start to look through the pictures that the motion sensor camera took and in a few we can't help but notice that there's like a black mist you know I mean that's interesting to me that's awesome is it a spirit manifesting itself probably so after a while we head back up to the first floor our next stop is to go upstairs where the women and kiddos were held but first I make my way up to solitaire where I set my phone up with a time-lapse video and of course I have my recorder with me. (laughs) Duh. And it captures a man whispering my name. Tessa. Now it's not the first time it's happened and it certainly wasn't the last. Now while upstairs we sit down and we get comfortable. We turn the spirit box on. We start to ask questions and during this time we start to hear whistling. As the channels continuously sweep, we hear a low whistling. Then later, a woman's voice comes through in a sad voice saying, help me. The room we are currently in was for the juvies. Now, I must say that when I've heard the whistling, it made me nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm not like saying nervous, like, oh God, that's scary. It's because... The year earlier, I had gotten my tombstone attachment. So, you know, I'm just like months out of being broken free from Red Sample. And the day before we conducted an investigation, me, Angie, and my sister Casey at the Windsor Hotel, a hotel that all three of us had worked at, and we heard a whistling of a man. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, (laughs) Please don't tell me I have an attachment. I, I That's the last thing I need. I'm still feeling the effects from the last one. And so I'm not going to lie. Like after my attachment, there's certain times where I feel vulnerable. Like, you know, it's happened once. It could happen again. I thought I was untouchable before. and Not untouchable, but, you know, it just I'm, I'm a bit more of a nervous Nelly. And it sucks. And so later on, I did tell Michelle about that the whistling to try to ease my mind. Maybe she's heard it too. And she actually did. She said that a few weeks ago, this was back in 2017, mind you. So a few weeks back then that she was doing a new voicemail for the new hours for winter on the answering machine for the gel. And she said that she, when she played it back, she heard whistling. And so, huh, whew, (laughs) that made me feel a hell of a lot better. Not gonna lie. So yeah, there's my little frantic story for half a second where I thought I might have had something too. So we're where the women are now. There's cells there. And on the wall are some of the inmates with their picture and kind of like their rap sheet, like what they did and what made them become inmates in the jail. So after reading one of the sheets, I ask Miss O'Connor, who did you murder? And I catch an eerie reply. A woman whispers, husband. And I walk to another sheet. I mean, of course, I didn't hear this husband EVP. I wish I did because I could have like, you know, striked up a conversation and try to learn more. So I walk over to another sheet and I say, Cora was here for larceny. And I walk a bit more. Alice was here for murder. Alice, are you still, are you still doing your time here? And I get an EVP of a woman replying, yes, yes. Now, after I hear the husband EVP, this was like, you know, a couple weeks later, I email Michelle and I ask her about it. and She sends me an old article and it's not regarding Miss O'Connor, but another woman who did time here for killing her husband. In the early morning hours of February 11th, 1909, eight years after the jail opened its doors, Mrs. Bedelia Durham shoots her husband, F.S. Durham, in the neck. Death was almost instant. So when I asked that question, who did you murder? And I got the answer, husband. Did Bedelia Durham answer me? It's a possibility. She did murder her husband and she did do time there, right where we were standing. She was there. So, I mean, just because you ask a certain spirit question doesn't mean that spirit's going to give you an answer. Obviously. I know that you know that. We all know that, right? Just like when I was in Tombstone and I was asking the Swamper at Big Nose Kate's a question and I got... The a voice of a man, don't know if it was him or not, but wouldn't that be epic, saying Wyatt Earp twice. So who knows? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you you just don't know. So it's neat to have that little information in hand. Okay, Bedelia Durham, she killed her husband. She did time here. And I'm getting this EVP of a woman. So I I don't know. To me, that's really neat. I like hearing things like that, and I like hearing stories afterwards and documents and reports and newspaper clippings and what have you. Pretty cool stuff. So anyways, we leave the area. I head to get my camera, which I had just left upstairs by Solitaire, trying to see if we got anything on the time-lapse video didn't really get anything. I mean, there was a couple of shadows here and there, but I couldn't tell if it was paranormal or not. So I would rather debunk it than, you know, just assume. So at this point, my cousin, his gal, she's had enough. She, paranormal isn't really her thing. And so she goes upstairs. While she's going up, we're heading down back to the basement. We, Walk back into the ice house where I saw the bodies earlier. The Mariah and Tombstone. I'm being drawn to this basement. I'm being drawn to this ice house. We walk in. We introduce ourselves. I say, my name's Tessa. This is my cousin Nick. And an EVP is caught of a man whispering, cousin Nick. Cousin Nick. While still in the basement, at the end of the night, we get a couple of weird and comical EVPs. One is (laughs) Hoochie. And the other shortly after is, I kid you not, get in it and quit it. I mean, that's too much. You know, there was a brothel down the street. Prostitution was definitely a huge thing back then. And you could still go check out the brothel to this very day. It's a neat place. I recommend checking it out, along with the gel, obviously. And it's haunted, too. Haunted brothel. Gotta love it. Now, there were many times when we asked questions and got no replies and... At one point, we hear a weird sound, and I debunk it as being my cousin's stomach making goofy, growly sounds. But as you can see, we got a lot that night. Many places charge several hundreds of dollars, you know, to have the place after hours to yourself. If I remember correctly, as it's been a few years since we had our investigation, I think we were each charged $30. So $90 and it was well worth it. And remember, that's the only way you're going to step foot into that basement. Go during the day. They don't even mention the basement. And remember, you can go to the gel and you could see it during the day for a few bucks. Speaking of this, my baby sister, she was here before as well. And she actually did a recent episode about a week or two ago. Featuring moi, of course. And it's called The Random Travels of an Indie Traveler. Be sure to check out her fun podcast. It's really a lot of fun. And you might even hear my monster voice from time to time. Time. And one more thing I need to mention before we call it a day. Is there was one point when my cousin's girl was still with us. And we were walking. I believe it was where the men were. And at this point, she said, oh, I'm scared. And it was uh, Nick, her, and then me. And I was like trailing behind. And all of a sudden you hear a voice, I believe of a woman, saying something to the effect of, don't worry, pretty girl. I'll hold your hand. And it was interesting because throughout the night she was doing that, where she was just like, oh, I'm scared, you know. And I would tell her, oh, don't worry, pretty girl, I, I got you, or I'll hold your hand. And it was almost like it was like mimicking me, but I, that wasn't my voice. And my cousin actually caught it. I didn't catch this one, but my cousin did. And I thought, it. I think it was just actually on his phone. Don't worry, pretty girl, you know. And so he's like, that's not Lori, because she had just talked. That wasn't her voice. He's like, and that's certainly not me. And he's like, and that doesn't sound like you, is it you? And, you know, being, he's a debunker, too. He had me check it out. And I was like, no, that's absolutely not me. So a lot of neat things there, you know, and just the town itself is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. They have a lot of neat haunted restaurants and hotels and everything there. And the town Victor isn't too far away and Divide isn't too far. Just the whole area up there is generally absolutely gorgeous. Kind of, you know, if you're not from here and you're planning on going, it is kind of a curvy, windy mountain road kind of thing. So you might want to take something for that before. So that's a good tip because, yeah, I get kind of car sick myself unless I'm driving. That's what that is. So go check it out. See a donkey or two. See a ghost or two. Check it out. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, you guys. They're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen as we speak. Head to any of those podcast platforms like Deezer, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you may roam to listen to your other phantomly delicious podcasts. You'll probably find Paranormal Provost Podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Thousand Oaks, California. And I need to just mention real quick that my great aunt who passed away, who I mentioned earlier, was from Thousand Oaks. So that is like kind of really cool that I just randomly picked Thousand Oaks. So Thousand Oaks, Prague, the Czech Republic, Millersville, Tennessee, Ames, Iowa, and College City, Maryland. You guys know that you're all rock stars. Thank you so much, everyone. You're all amazing. It means so much that you take part of your day, night, whenever you listen To listen to me talk all things paranormal. You guys are awesome. Don't forget to come back next Monday, every single Monday, for the newest episodes. See you next week.